Praise the Lord, and welcome to another session of I Have Podcast with me, your host, Reverend Mario A. Najera. To all those that are listening in for the first time and for all those that are returning back, thank you for joining in. My prayer is that you find yourself in good health and blessed of the Lord. I am honored to have with me today Assistant Pastor of New Life Apostolic Church in Merced, California, Assistant Pastor Victor Serrato. We are here today to testify of the goodness and mercies of God, and no matter where you find yourself in your life's journey, that Jesus loves you, Jesus still saves, and that he's still doing works within his people. So listen as we hear what God has done in the life of my guest today. Pastor Serrato, praise the Lord, and welcome to IHAP Podcast, and thank you so much for accepting my invitation, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel excited to share, even if it's just for a few brief moments, uh, what the Lord's put on my heart, and um, couldn't be more excited to be a part of the podcast. Thank you, my brother. Oh, my pleasure, Pastor. My prayer, as always, for this conversation today is that the words that we speak, Pastor, will inject faith in the hearts and minds of those that are listening today. And in Jesus' name, that we'll do this. All right. Amen. So, Pastor, I have not had the pleasure of meeting you in person. Um, we were kind of speaking of this uh, about this off uh, before we got on here, but I had the privilege of getting to uh, kind of see you on social media uh, through a post by Pastor uh, Jacob Rodriguez, uh, you know, kind of helping you promote a book. Uh, so you are also an author and also a doctorate in education, which I didn't mention in the titles, but I know we'll get into that hopefully a little bit uh, later. Uh, but I'm excited to hear of how you got to where you're at today in your mm -hmm. Christian walk. So if I could open up with that question, sir, is where would you say your life journey or your life before your own experience in church or before your personal relationship with Christ, where would you say you, you found yourself at? Uh, man, it's... um. I get I get emotion a bit emotional every time I think about where God brought me from because mm. it was as if it was yesterday and it's already been uh, about 22 years I think and uh, but it feels so fresh so real uh, so so dynamic so impacting because I you know my testimony isn't one that that is filled with uh, drugs alcohol violence uh, gangs it, I didn't come out of uh, that kind of a lifestyle, although I lived in neighborhoods that were very much, you know, riddled with uh, crime and uh, gangs and, and uh, just always, always lived on the, the poor side of town and um, was exposed to a lot of things. But my experience was a bit different. I, I was a young man uh, who had a lot of ambition, uh, a lot of dreams hmm. um, to kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps and uh, because I came from poverty, had very little, uh, came from a single parent household, mm. came from a home with six kids, being raised by a single mother who didn't speak English. Um, always, uh, you know, barely making it, just barely getting by. I, I, I found myself as a teenager dreaming of escaping from my reality at the time, which was, you know, very meager, uh, means. And so at about 19, I, uh, found myself absolutely feeling aimless and hopeless in despair, but I was suffering silently because on the outside, I had a job, I had a car, I had moved to Phoenix, Phoenix Arizona of all places to, to go to a, a tech school out there. And so by, by all, and you know, all the out, as far as the outer shell, you couldn't tell that I was 
that I was feeling absolutely hopeless because nobody could tell mm. except God. And so that's the, the condition that I found myself in. It, it wasn't that I was uh, addicted to anything. Mm. I wasn't struggling with that lifestyle, but I had a much, what I would consider uh, a much deeper, darker lifestyle because when somebody's you know involved in in in, uh, in illegal activity or drug abuse, alcoholism, it's obvious. Mm. It's obvious, and everybody can tell. But when it's hidden, and you've got that mask on, and there's a lot of pride in there, there's a lot of um, inadequacies that you're trying to hide, a lot of uh, a lot of weaknesses that you don't want anybody to know about. Mm-hmm. You know, I I feel now looking back that uh, the gospel had to reach me in a way that only God could, could, uh, could identify a path for me to reach because it was hidden. Hmm. Uh, we tend to reach out to people that look like their lives are miserable from the outside. Hmm. But people like me, and maybe you have listeners today who are listening in and you're suffering silently. You're, you're not uh, uh, involved in, in the, uh, the, the so-called, you know, uh, bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. uh, that oftentimes we as Christians tend to reach out to. But there are people that are suffering silently like I was, and, and it had to be a God uh, thing. It had to be a God move. It had to be a God intervention uh, for somebody to reach me mm-hmm. because people passed me up because they thought I was okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, I found myself uh, feeling depressed, feeling out of place, feeling aimless, feeling hopeless, feeling like I had no purpose, no aim. And yet I had some, uh, uh, I guess, some successes on the outside, Mm -hmm. going to school, having a car, uh, having my own place uh, there in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I just thank God that, that there was an apostolic that was brave enough, courageous enough, discerning enough Mm. to speak into my life and uh, challenge me and pull me out of my comfort zone. And so that's, that's my, that was my condition, Mm. uh, brother Mario, that, that uh, God found me in. Yes, pastor. Yeah. And and it's amazing. You know, I I think the family dynamic has a lot to do with how you kind of bring yourself up. Uh, But you have a choice to either give into your circumstances or allow God to pull you out of that. Because, yeah, I came from a single, you know, uh, family home. My mother raised us. There was four of us. My dad, when he was there, you know, an alcoholic. You know, so your your percentages increase to kind of, you know, follow in those footsteps. You know, so, but even though if it's not, you know, that kind of situation, like you were mentioning, um, you know, it wasn't so much a gang, sty- a gang lifestyle or whatever, but yeah, it, it takes God to reach, you know, just whatever your situation is for sure. Um, so, Pastor, what would you say your experience was like when you finally gave your life to Christ? What was that that moment that uh, just said, you know what, I need to do this? You know, I was, I was fighting God like many of us do when we're uh, being pulled out of darkness and into mm-hmm. his marvelous light. I was resistant. I was, um, uh, although I felt aimless and purposeless, I was still filled with pride mm. because I wanted to uh, make my own life. I wanted to make it in life on my own. 
And inside, I, I, I think I, I probably felt like if I got assistance, then it was a sign of weakness. Oh, yeah. If I broke down, it was uh, viewed as a sign of weakness in my, in my ignorance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going to an altar and crying, that was mm -hmm. very, very unusual, very uh, uh, bizarre for, for a person like me to allow people to see this man crying, breaking down, crying out to God. <clears throat> that was not in my upbringing. That was not in my DNA. I, I, I grew up either sinking or swimming. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a, uh, you know, uh, dog eat dog kind of environment growing up where the way I grew up. And so to accept help from people was extremely difficult for me, <clears throat> but it was the most impacting thing that ever happened in my life because God was just waiting for me to let down my, my defenses, mm -hmm. let down my pride. He was waiting for a window of opportunity for me to say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being tired. Mm. It was a, it was a time where God was just waiting for me to open up my life and uh, allow him to come, you know, uh, ushering uh, all his goodness into my life. So when I finally came to an apostolic altar, to an apostolic experience with a group of uh, believers and uh, everything looked bananas to me. I mean, people jumping, dancing, <laughs> crying, praising. It was it was absolutely bananas in my mind, mm -hmm. but it was the presence of God that captivated me. I felt something that I had never felt in any other uh, environment. Mm -hmm. It was something that I, I couldn't explain, but at the same time, it was something that attracted me. Mm -hmm. And so um, that kept me coming back. I mean, I, I looked forward to just having encounters with God and I wasn't baptized yet. I hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost yet. I was just so hungry for the presence of God because it was filling an empty void that I didn't know, even know I had. Mm. Uh, it was filling in emptiness and loneliness that I didn't even know existed. I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't identify exactly what God was doing, but it felt good. Mm -hmm. And uh, that rocked my world. I mean, it, it absolutely rocked my world. And, and I've often uh, shared uh, with our guests that visit us here at New Life, I tell them, look, you don't have to know it all. You don't have to figure it all out. In in your first, um, uh, you know, journey in Christ, He's coddling, he's coddling you. Mm -hmm. He's He's going to bless you, overwhelm you with His goodness. But He's not expecting, you know, for for you to have to uh, uh, wrestle with so much. Just enjoy it, absorb it, love it. And I had some people in Phoenix, Arizona, um, who were really kind to me, and they. They were patient with me. It was actually in a little town called uh, Glendale, Arizona, mm. where I was going to church at the time. And the, the brothers there were, were so patient and they were, uh, they were not um, demanding anything of me. They were just going on a journey of restoration and, and uh, resurrection mm. from being dead in my spirit. They went along this journey and it was beautiful, uh, Brother Mario. It was a beautiful experience. I'll never forget it. <clears throat> Mm. And Pastor, would you say once that experience, like you mentioned, it was you know the the presence of God filling in those voids you didn't know you had, was that was that connected right away with you know you were mentioning earlier how you know that that depression and um, you know kind of what you were experiencing before was that something that that just kind of went away automatically with you, sir, or or was it something that was definitely like re relationship built? Yeah, so. 
you know, I would say what God did in, in those uh, first few months mm-hmm. with me, allowing me to just uh, be saturated with his presence, mm. it was almost like a blanket of peace came upon me, a blanket of rest. It was like a, mm. it was like God was, um, uh, you know, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that will draw a man to repentance. Mm. He was, he was wooing me into repentance by using his goodness. Mm. It's the best way I can explain it. Yeah. He was pouring out so much goodness on my life that it made me want to be purged and cleansed. It made me want to repent. It made me want to cry out to him. I, I, it, was, um, it didn't remove all the, the skeletons in my life because, mm-hmm. as, as you know, and, and many of us that have been in ministry, we, we, we're all under construction. Mm-hmm. We're all in, in a restoration mode. And God deals with us in stages and phases. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I needed the most, it was like a, it was like a doctor's orders. It was a perfect recipe. Mm-hmm. He, he just saturated me with a blanket of hope and peace to where I couldn't wait to be in the house of God because mm. it was like a, a house of refuge. It was a place of refuge. It was a place where I, I, I literally, and I say this, you know, without exaggeration, I, I wanted to live in the house mm. of God. If they had told me, set up your tent, put your blanket on the floor. I mean, I would have probably lived there because it got to the point where, I was kind of uh, intimidated to even step out of the church into the, 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 the quote unquote real world mm. because I was so used to the world that was dark and ugly. And then I stepped into this beautiful, marvelous light yeah. and I didn't want to go back. I wanted the church to just go on and on and on. I wanted it to go on for hours and hours. And uh, I, know, I know some some folks are complaining about having long services these days <laughs> at times and uh, they can't wait to get out. You know, two hours seems to be too long, four hours. But, man, I'll tell you what, um, coming from a lonely, dark uh, place that I came from, mm-hmm. I, I can't say enough about what churches do to create an environment that is so welcoming, mm. Holy Spirit filled. Love is, I mean, just saturated, uh, saturating you throughout the service. And um, God was doing a work in me, but he did it in pieces. Mm. He started removing um, my aspirations to become this thing over here. And and he was just calling me into another place, Mm. uh, a different direction. He was, you know, he was calibrating me at the time so that I'd have an appetite for the things of God and not for the things of the world. So, so I would say, Brother Mario, that, that God was rewiring me. Yeah. He was recalibrating me. He was changing my appetite without even being able to articulate it. Yeah. At the time, he was changing my appetite from being so carnally minded yeah. to now being spiritually minded. And, and so uh, to this day, he continues to, to draw us in that way. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning... That was the impact. That was a constant flow of, the, of his spirit that kept coming upon me where I didn't want a, a worldly relationship. Mm. I didn't want just to become rich and wealthy and make money and buy cars and have a sound system. And I didn't I didn't I no longer just wanted the stuff that everybody else wanted. Yeah. And that was when, when I knew there's something special happening. Wow. So, so well put, Pastor, that that is awesome. It gave me chills just thinking about that, you know, and and I think that's where people need to give themselves, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity to grow. It can be frustrating, you know, because here, you know, hearing people talk about this and this change, 
but sometimes it, it can kind of steps you know it, it, it sometimes it's not automatic for everybody you know so just to be patient and like you said just get heavenly minded you know that's right yeah so that's, right. Man, that's awesome pastor um so in, in your service uh you know getting baptized giving your life to christ how long uh, was it before you started feeling that calling, uh, Pastor? Uh, you know, into your service, into ministry, or in mm-hmm. any service capacity that you that you started off with? And some some pretty amazing things happened to me. Um, I would say in my in my first uh, two years of conversion, I I was introduced to the um, student ministries pastor. And uh, I can go in a lot of directions with this, but let, let me just uh, kind of uh, paraphrase a few things that happened. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ministry director took a special interest in me because he saw my hunger. I, I finished the, the tech program in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, about a year into a year after I was maybe six months into the church, I, I was uh, recommend referred to uh, a church in Modesto, California, because I lived in the Modesto area mm-hmm. at the time. And that was uh, the late uh, Reverend uh, Julian Aguirre. And he um, was my pastor. Um, and in that church um, is where I met um, Minister um, uh, Apadaka. And Gilbert Apadaka had a gifting, has a gifting for mentoring young, young people. And um, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm. Because I was so hungry, I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to absorb. I wanted to pray. I wanted to learn how to pray. I wanted to learn how to fast. I wanted to learn how to evangelize and witness. <clears throat> I wanted to just do everything that Christians are supposed to do. And I wanted to be involved in everything. If the church was open four or five days, I was there. I couldn't wait to, uh, to, to, to help, to, to, to support what God wanted me to get involved with. So, I, I mean, I jumped into everything. They let me in the choir. That was the worst thing they, they could have done. They had so much mercy on me. They let me in the choir for about, uh, about six months. And I, I got to be the, the, uh, the part of the praise, not the praise team, the, the choir. Uh-huh. And of course they put me way in the back to blend in with all those that couldn't sing too well. But man, I'll tell you what, that was an entry level for me. It was entry level ministry because I, I prayed about singing. I prayed about standing before God's people. I, mm-hmm. I ministered the best I could. And, and so I was learning how to minister in an areas that I really wasn't even gifted in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they allowed me to, uh, to open and close the church after a while. They allowed me to be an usher. They allowed me to be um, a part of, uh, you know, the outreach in, in the street ministry. Um, and then one day somebody said, Hey, we need somebody to help teach Sunday school. We got some young kids in there maybe five, seven, eight years old, would you do it? And, you know, I, I didn't say no to anything. Mm. I was scared out of my mind, but I, I, I kind of vowed in my heart, like not to say no. Mm. You know, I just said, you know what? Let, uh, God's been so good to me. I'm going to say yes to anything and everything. And um, needless to say, it was in Sunday school where I discovered that God had given me a, a gift for, for teaching and then later preaching and uh and evangelism and um those little kids don't don't have no idea how nervous i was how much uh, investment i put into prayer and getting some little bible stories together it was entry level but for me it was that was a five-star top-notch convention status (laughs) right there for me because it, it meant so much to me and i and i didn't take it lightly and um 
So it was those entry-level opportunities is what we call them here at New Life, entry-level opportunities that really help people like me and, and others discover their gifts, their callings. And um, I mean, I've got a whole lesson now that I do, a whole teaching that I do on discovering your gifts and uh, and your, your callings because there are so many opportunities in the church mm. to discover what you've been called to do. And it starts for me anyway, it started with just exploring mm. and not saying no and having a willing spirit and taking some risks and, 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 and stepping into uh, places that are unfamiliar and uh, being willing to fail. And I, I was a little uh, zealous, I guess. And then that's good as a, as a new convert because you, you, you're willing to just jump into things and if somebody's there like like Gilbert Apodaca, who's paying attention and watching and observing, mm. somehow, some way, God's going to use men like that mm. to pull giftings and callings out of you because he did that for me. He started inviting me to his home and started getting me into uh, Bible tools like lexicons and concordances. And he got me into prayer and fasting. And we would listen to preachings as much as we could and teachings mm. and I mean, he saturated me for a couple of years in everything that has to do with the Pentecostal apostolic world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Wow. That, that, yes, that's, that's so awesome. It just brings up a lot of memories in my, you know, growing up in this, in this faith journey and, you know, having, you know, I started off pretty young, what I considered young, I was 14, uh, 15, but uh, there was, I was in a youth group and they were older than I was. And it was interesting because I would see them and their approach with everything. And we had a youth pastor, Pastor Robert Ortega, that was there at the time where I was at in Blythe. And they gleaned a lot from um, from him. And then they were kind of trying to pass it on to me. And I was like, this sounds like I should be at a certain level. I'm not there. <laughs> you know, I'm only 14. You know, I'm, I'm 15 years old. Everyone else gets to run around and do whatever, you know. But I, I think that that's really, really true, Pastor, about, you know, being able to be under a wing of somebody that that sees something in you and, and wants to call the best out of you. Sometimes it was frustrating for me. Sometimes it was like, I don't want to do this anymore, you know. But I think about it now and and where God has brought me from. And it's just those experiences when I was building my foundation, you know. Mm -hmm. It had a lot to do with that. It had a lot to do with that. So, yes, I think that's a prayer that we need to continue to pray for, you know, more mentors, definitely, you know, to oh, step yeah. up in the church. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people, they don't even consider themselves mentors, but, mm. but that's what they're doing. They're, yeah. they're, they're mentoring without a title. They're mentoring mm. without a, um, a position. Mm -hmm. uh, these are men and women in the church who, who, who can see something special mm. in, in men and women, and they pull it out of them. And they draw it out of them, mm -hmm. and uh, and I love to see that. I love to see, you know, when 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 the church, uh, when I mean by the church, when the members of the body of Christ are functioning in their calling, because there's because there's brothers and sisters. I mean, they they have a gift for pulling out the best out of people, mm -hmm. and and they often go unnoticed. And they're in the church, and they're not ministers, they're not pastors. Mm -hmm. They are they are men and women. And many of them I've met in this church who are, are some of them are older, some of them are seniors, yeah. and they have they're watching and they're prayerful, and they don't even know mm. that they're mentoring, they're they're calling things out of people, they're they're pulling people uh, as they're walking by, they're they're they're, they're grabbing their hand, they're saying, hey, "Can I tell you something?" Yeah. And they're they're blessing them, they're pouring something into them, they're calling things out, and and we need to uh, highlight that 
part of ministry mm-hmm. that's within the church. It, it, is, it did wonders for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll never forget that uh, as a young man, I said, someday I'm going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Someday I'm going to be that encourager. I'm going to be that person that's going to uh, take somebody, you know, by, by, the, by my side. And I'm just going to pull them along the way. And, and I'm going to draw out of them mm-hmm. what I feel in my spirit. And, um, and so thank God that we have people like that in the church. Yes, yes, definitely. And Pastor, kind of in all this, because uh, I was doing some, you know, background research for you, sir, and and, and I saw that um, you have your doctorate in education. How did how did that come all about? Like in, in kind of that span of uh, of your life, there there's so many just amazing things that God has done in my life since I've been saved, mm-hmm. man. And and the doctorate was one of those things. You know, I hated school. I was not. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know how I made it out of high school, to be honest with you, mm. because I, I don't remember doing very much homework. We'd go to Mexico for three months every year. They'd give me a stack of homework. I'd do it two days before I got back home. <laughs> I'd turn in these packets of work, and I'd just do a bunch of chicken scratch. I had mm. horrible penmanship. I <clears throat> was terrible in math. Um, I, I, I barely squeezed by, and uh, I did enough just to play a couple of sports, and uh, my whole uh, aspiration was to uh, get out of school and become a mechanic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did that. I actually was a mechanic for a couple of years. I loved turning wrenches. I loved tinkering with things, taking things apart, building them together. And, uh, that was, that was the extent of my vision for my life is that mm-hmm. I, I would be a mechanic, maybe open up a shop one day. I love classic cars. I love low riders. I loved anything that had to do with uh, custom stuff. So I mm-hmm. thought that's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> well, something really, really, uh, unique happened when, when I was invited to teach those little kids, mm-hmm that Sunday school. Um, and I realized that I was enjoying studying, taking ideas, breaking them down into chunks and making them relatable and connecting with kids and checking for understanding. Mm. I was doing things naturally that a teacher does without even knowing it. Mm. And so one day I, uh, I heard that one of the, the college and career aged uh, sisters was going to college. And I remember somebody commending her saying, man, so-and-so is going to college. And I thought, man, wouldn't that be nice if someday I could take a college class? And, and that it was just that little thought. Hmm. Maybe one day, if she can do it, maybe I can. Yeah. I'm teaching Sunday school. I kind of like it. I, I might like, I hate school, but for some reason, something's happening where, yeah. where I feel like there, there's an interest in that field. Anyways, what I, what I told the Lord, I remember saying, Lord, I I want to make you a promise. If you help me get into the community college and uh, help me take one class and it, and if I pass the class, I will take a second class if you'll help me. Mm. And uh, to make a long story short, one class turned into two, turned into full-time, turned into 15, 16 units at a time. It turned into transferring to a, a, a university here locally. And, um, it was as if God just kept stretching the, 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 the end, the finish line. Mm. He just kept saying, there's more, there's more, there's more. When I transferred in as an undergraduate to the local university, the thought came to me, get a doctorate. And in my head, I said, by the time I'm 32, I'll, I'll have a doctorate. Well, it didn't happen that way. But, but in my mind, like the Lord put in me, like, you can do this by the mm. time. You're 32. It just came to me. And I said, 
man, um, I, I don't know anybody in my entire family that's ever gone to university except my brother, who's one year older than I am. And uh, he was he was going to school, but he was in Utah. So I didn't really have anybody to help me uh, along this journey. I mean, I felt out of place. But somehow I just kept making those promises to God. Lord, if you'll help me take past one class, one semester, two semesters, I'd sit there and I'd pray before every every test, before every exam. And I'd say, Lord, I'm, I'm putting this in your hands. And every time I thought I was going to fail, he would over he would uh, supersede my expectations. Mm. And uh, I ended up graduating with with uh, with honors in my bachelor's program, my master's program. And I, and I graduated with distinctions in my with distinction in my doctorate program, which I finished just uh, three years ago. And um, it was a God thing. It happened by responding to to an invitation to teach a mm. Sunday school class for little elementary kids. Yeah. And it generated an interest to pursue an education. I mean, it's it's very uncommon for someone to go from a blue collar a career. I, I was straight up blue collar. I mean, I had busted up knuckles, grease in my between, you know, all my fingers, nails. I was what you'd call a grease monkey. I was a motorhead. I mean, that's that was my life to go from that to go straight into being submerged in what they consider a white collar career, Mm. which is, you know, a behind the desk kind of uh, career path. It it had to be God. I had no confidence for that. I had no um, uh, inspiration Mm. for that. It, It was all God. And uh, he's done a number of things like that for me. And it, I could say that it, was, uh, it wasn't a childhood dream because I didn't dream about those things as a kid. I started dreaming like this. And I write about that in my book. Hmm. I started dreaming like this because the Holy Spirit has no limitations. You cannot exhaust hmm. the, the breadth and the width of God's plans for your life. And I often quote the scripture where the Bible says, that God has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a bright future. Mm. And uh, and I often uh, quote that to myself. And God has absolutely stretched the boundaries of what mm. is possible in my life. And, and getting a doctorate was absolutely one of those things. I I graduated in a group of, I think there was there was twenty five that that entered that cohort to the mm. doctoral program. By the time we were done, there was about nine of us. I was the only Latino. Spanish-speaking, bilingual uh, student in that doctorate program, and uh, very unusual. It's 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 very unusual to have, you know, that uh, that diversity mm-hmm. in those programs, and they made it. They they let that they let me know that that mm-hmm. that was very unique, and um, and so it, it was God. You know, yeah. I can't give myself credit for any of it. Yeah, to God be the honor and the glory for sure, Pastor. I mean, yeah, a lot of successes, a lot of blessings I, I in my life, you know, just all attributed to God because, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I needed help. Like you were saying, you know, I needed a lot of help. I wasn't good with school, but, you know, to the honor and glory of God, he's taken me a long way, you know, more than I could ever imagine. And still what's scary yet is that if I would just give myself over a little bit more i know god has a lot more you know in store for me yeah. and yes, you yeah and you mentioned that and and when I, I got to read a little expert of your book pastor and when i was reading it i was i was enjoying it but it was also convicting my heart because um what i mean by that is when you started talking about if we begin to see ourselves the way god sees us 
if we be, you know, and you were talking about how the Holy Ghost, the expectations are a lot greater. It's like, can you imagine if we were just to give ourselves truly, if we lived our lives that way, you know, what we could accomplish for the honor and glory of God. So that's what I mean. It was, it was motivating me, but at the same time, it was kind of convicting my heart. Like, Hey, you know, if God is in you, (laughs) if God is for you, you know, I pastor. And you know, uh, I just want to add something to that because for a lot of people, prayer is, is, is either boring. Mm. They're disconnected. They don't feel like God's really listening. Mm -hmm. And what, what I love about prayer is that, the purpose of prayer for of praying for me is to feel the heartbeat of God, mm. to, to hear what God has to say, mm-hmm. to, to envision what God sees. And so when, when you take on that perspective about prayer, mm. it, it should wow. increase our appetite for prayer because in prayer in, in that close intimate place with God, if you allow the Holy spirit, he will Speak things into your life that you need to hear. He will uh, declare things in your life that you didn't know you needed to hear. Mm. Everybody I knew, you know, coming into this that came kind of in the same years that I got converted, young men and women that I knew were coming in, they all wanted to get a word. I remember going to services and we all wanted to, we all wanted to hear a word. We, mm. we wanted to have a, a word, of, a, you know, a word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. We wanted the, the special guest preacher, evangelist. We wanted them to call things out in us. Yeah. And I remember one day, one day the Lord dealing with me and saying, do you know that I can do that every day of your life? Wow. Do you know that I can speak a word in you, in your private prayer life with me? Do you know that that secret place in God, that prayer closet, is where I can speak to you the mysteries the the uh, the unmen- the uh, uh, things that have not been mentioned anywhere else in your life, and man, that that increased my appetite for a place of prayer. And so, what I have found is that I look. You can look forward to prayer when you have that kind of a mindset. That you're you you have the opportunity. Mm. When the Bible says that we're sitting in heavenly places, mm-hmm. that's not talking about a physical place. It's talking about a position in God, mm. and God wants to show us who's truly inside of us and the, the, the abilities that we have through Christ. And so um, it, I get excited about those types yeah. having those conversations because I, I do see people, um, some people getting bored with prayer or they're reluctant mm-hmm. or they're resistant or they're, they're not uh, tasting and seeing how good God can mm-hmm. be. Yes. And, and and I, you know, what you're speaking of now, Pastor, I do see it. Like I said in the excerpts of your book that I got to read. Um, what what kind of led to that, Pastor? What kind of led to you to uh, author? And this is your first book, is that correct? So, this is interesting. Um, this is my second book, but oh. I have not published the other book. Um, and I'll tell you about that in a second. <clears throat> um. When I was about 22 years old, somebody asked me, hey, what do you think you're going to be? And without, without thinking about it, I said these words. I said, I'm probably going to pastor to some degree, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to write books. I just said it. Mm-hmm. And um, about the same time, uh, uh, a, a traveling evangelist came to the church, and I was ushering 
And he walked to the back and he says, I see the, I see the word mission or missionary on your chest. Wow. And I was like, wow, everybody, I hear a lot of people talking about being missionaries. Let's do this. <laughs> nothing happened, um, Brother Mario, nothing happened for years with regards to writing books, pastoring, mm-hmm. or being a missionary. But, but here's the amazing timing of God. God had already begun to speak things that are not as though they were. Mm. And, and this is where a lot of people get caught up with getting disappointed and, and you know, feeling disillusioned with God and, and because they don't see anything happening in their timing. Yeah. But fast forward, you know, I, that was 22 at the time, 23. Fast forward 10 years later, um, I started writing a book. And then I, st- I got invited to my first missions trip. And then my senior pastor invited me to accept this uh, position as assistant pastor of New Life Apostolic Church. It happened within just a few years of overlap. Everything was unfolding in God's time. I, I ended up uh, not just traveling to, to Thailand, but help, helping to start the work in Thailand. I helped to start the work in Nepal. I helped to start the work currently in Bangladesh. I helped to start the work that we're doing in uh, Laos. All of Southeast Asia, it came through New Life Apostolic Church. And we had the the privilege of being a part of it. And then God reminded me, remember, I told you that missions was going to be a part of your future. And it it, it was amazing. It it took a long time to get here, but then it happened fast. It just Mm. opened up. The the windows just opened up. Um, Man, if, if we could talk about missions at some other time, I'd love to to share what God is doing. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're on the verge of uh, having an explosive revival in, in Bangladesh this week, actually, with some of our brothers there. But during this journey of flying to Asia, you know, flying to Asia, it, it takes 20 to 24 hours to get there, mm. 16-hour flights and then seven-hour flights in between. And so I had time to write. Mm. On, on these missions trips, I started picking up that I had my laptop and I started just typing away and I typed little pieces here, little, little excerpts there. And then I just started piecing them together. And, um, it was, it was as if God was saying, I'm going to carve out time for you to do this. Mm. I started writing a book, um, to help young men and women that were my, that are my age, Mm -hmm. you know, 18 to 30 that were my age at one time. And, and I was writing about how to help them have a prosperous, successful spiritual journey before they get married, before they have a career, before they make Mm. uh, big financial decisions, because I learned a lot about what to do, what not to do Mm -hmm. in preparation for adulthood. So I wrote this book. I started writing this book. And then about halfway through, the Lord inspired me to write a whole different book that that I entitled Unshakable, Mm -hmm. that, that has to do with biblical principles about uh, how to live a life that's absolutely uh, uh, in God's hands and full of assurance and, and an unstoppable life in Christ. And so I say that this is my second book, but this is my first book I've published. Mm-hmm. I have finished the second book and I'm going to release it uh, right before Christmas, probably. And uh, it's it's specifically for the 18 to 30 year olds that are still thinking about, you know, their next journey mm-hmm. in life. Um, but, but yeah, uh, brother Mario, I, I, I hope I answered the question. I kind of went off on no, different no. little, uh, tangents because they're all interconnected the way the Lord just, yes. uh, his timing 
was just absolutely amazing and uh, how he un, 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 unraveled all this. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've learned to write. Writing did not come natural for me. Mm-hmm. But here's what's really cool. I went to a public university. They taught me how to do uh, empirical research. They taught me how to really do my homework. Mm-hmm. And they taught me how to, how to write and how to do research well and how to develop my, my thought process and put it on paper. Mm-hmm. And what God was doing was he was preparing me to write, not just a dissertation to get my doctorate, but something much of of much heavier weight, Mm. which is writing to reach a a, a lost and dying world Mm -hmm. and to inspire those that are that are on their journey in Christ. Yes. It's just awesome how God works for sure, Pastor. Um, Man, I mean, just hearing you speak. Uh, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten to know you, but in this little short time, Pastor, I'm, I'm just really impressed. You know, you were really impressed in my spirit, you know, uh, something, and and it's just great. Um, but w- would you say, Pastor, that you could ever recall a time that you felt maybe a doubt or a distance, you know, in, in everything that, you know, God was calling you to do or kind of placing you in doing? Was there ever a time that you kind of felt like a setback where it was just like, well, maybe, I don't know, you know. Uh, this was going well, or this wasn't, or, you know, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure at this time. Did you ever feel yeah. any uh, time like that? Absolutely. I, um, it happened in my, my mid to late twenties. Mm. Um, you know, I told you that I went in, I went into this and I, and I went just, uh, you know, I went in knee deep and I just kept submerging mm-hmm. myself in the things of God. And I wanted more. Yeah. I wanted to go to Bible college. I wanted to do outreach. I wanted to go on, uh, you know, I heard the word missions, but nothing was happening. Mm. I didn't get invited to any mission strip. I didn't have the funds to go anywhere. Mm. I, my local church, there, there really wasn't a lot of, um, I guess, an investment in that uh, area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wanted to be uh, used of God. I wanted to desperately be used of God. And I felt like I hit a plateau. I was doing Sunday school and I was, you know, doing little five spots here and there. And um, I was still, you know, committed to my local church. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're a young man in, in your 20s, sometimes um, your passion, your zealous uh, approach towards life can create frustration if you don't see things move fast enough. Mm. And like I told you, you know, nothing was happening with the world of uh, pastoring missions mm-hmm. or writing books. I was a good servant of God. I was serving mm-hmm. and, and happily, but <clears throat> there was something inside of me that, that began to, it started with a, a discontent and then it started and then it mm-hmm. continued on to be a frustration to where there was a time where I said, this is, this is going nowhere. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm wasting time. I'm not uh, really accomplishing anything. And I, I said, man, maybe I'm in the wrong church. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I, I'm in the wrong organization maybe i need to uh you know spread my wings somewhere else maybe the grass is greener on the other side mm. and i had um, i'd gotten married at the time and um and i really wanted to see I, I envisioned you know for you know i when i came to church i started praying for a wife mm. uh that someday that i that i would find the perfect wife and uh, five years later you know i i believe that god brought me the perfect wife and and as i was for those four or five years of, of praying and believing that God would send me the right person Mm -hmm. in those prayers, I envisioned what my wife and I would be doing. I envisioned that we would be 
you know, ministering and, mm. and, uh, and, and I prayed for someone that could help me minister and God brought me the person. She's a prayer warrior. She's a, uh, she's in the music uh, ministry. Mm-hmm. She sings. I mean, to me, she just had the, the, the perfect uh, pedigree, the perfect mm-hmm. package to, to minister. She was ministry minded. She was, she was uh, uh, groomed for this mm-hmm. third generation apostolic and, I, I mean, I can't believe that they let her, uh, they let her uh, marry me because I'm, I came from the outside and I was like, man, I'm, I'm favored of the Lord. Look, they're, they're this beautiful, uh, uh, beautiful woman that has been in church all her life for three generations. Uh, they've entrusted her with someone like me. And I was just say, Lord, I'm going to give it my all. And um, so here we are married in, in our first, second year. And none of those dreams for ministry were materializing hmm. and I was frustrated. I, I really was. And, um, and I vented a lot and my wife, you know, tried to keep my head above water and she was encouraging and uh, a few trusted friends that I shared with, they just told me, hold on, hold on. Hmm. And, but yeah, absolutely. Brother Mar, there was a time in my mid twenties where I was, I had my expectations hmm. were so high and that um, they weren't being met, yeah. not even close. And and it, and it did create frustration and I wanted to quit. And I just wanted to switch, jump, uh, you know, jump churches, jump yeah. uh, locations. I wanted to start somewhere else. But thank God that um, he gave me the patience. He gave me the the uh, the tenacity to hold on and uh, mm. the promises of God. I just held on to him. And sooner or later, he worked things out. Yeah. Yeah, and and I and I really believe that that'll always always definitely be the case. You know, I don't believe God gets hurt uh, by or by our tantrums. You know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, Pastor. Uh, you know, we get we get uh, our mindset on something. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, being patient, obviously, and and that's that's also a maturity. You know, something a maturity that you gain when you're experiencing those type of, you know, situations for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Pastor. And, and yeah, and the good thing is if you grow from it, if you grow from it and you learn from it, it it's going to be a good thing for sure. Oh, that's the key. I mean, anybody, they often, uh, I, I like to read um, books and some of the questions that come up in, in some of the books I read are, you know, what would you tell your, your 20, uh, 20 year old uh, self, you know, what kind of advice would you give your 20 year old self? Yeah. And what you just said is is absolutely uh, dead on. I would say, you know, you're going, you're learning, you're maturing. Mm-hmm. It's a growth. It's you're, you're it's their growing pains. Yes. They're necessary. Um, it's normal. And yeah, you're right. God, God doesn't. You're not going to surprise God mm-hmm. by your tantrums or your worries. <laughs> it's it's probably comical to him often. The uh, how we uh, how we pout and cry and complain. Yeah. And but he's so patient. Yes. So patient with us. Yes. Oh, the love of God. Amen. Yes, sir. So, Pastor, kind of switching gears here a little bit. Um, you know, this this situation that's going on right now with the COVID virus. Pastor, how, how has it touched or affected your personal life and your church life and ministry there where you're mm-hmm. at? How, how's that been going for you guys? So, it, it probably similar to what a lot of churches are experiencing. However, we did experience kind of a phenomenon. <clears throat> we experienced the... Um, uh, the ex- the excitement of what God was going to do, what He could do mm-hmm. through creative um, um, outreach, through allowing God to um, 
I guess, rebrand us. Mm. And because we were praying about this through this journey, we were uh, put our ministry teams together and discuss these things. And we, we allowed the body of Christ to, to step up. Um, there were moments of frustration, mm. um, moments of unpredictability, yeah. um, moments of um, uncertainty that, that did create a little bit of uh, feelings of instability. instability. Mm-hmm. And, but in the, in the midst of all that, it brought out the best in many of our ministries. I mean, our, our tech department stepped up to a level we've never seen. Our video team, our, um, our uh, social media team, our outdoor stage sound uh, team, uh, setup team. It, it created opportunities for ministry uh, ministries to open up for people yeah. that were kind of on the sidelines. It uh, re-sparked an interest in people's uh, areas of, of, of interest and gifting that maybe they hadn't seen opportunities for before. Mm. <clears throat> we ended up um, challenging our congregation to never get comfortable with uh, a building. And that, I mean, we even wore shirts that said the church has left the building and uh, <laughs> we made shirts like that and, and got created that culture where we identified with the body of Christ and not so much with the building. Mm. And um, in the first three months of COVID, we baptized more people than in the first three months uh, of the year. So January, February, and March, we had a level of of outreach and baptisms. But um, in April, May, and June, we did a comparison. And uh, we probably doubled the amount of people that we uh, reached out to and baptized. And that was encouraging to the church to see that you can grow, you can prosper exponentially, you can you can have uh, a response on uh, uh, with regards to our calling, mm-hmm. uh, even in the midst of you know what what the early church would call their persecution mm-hmm. or resistance from the, the culture, and so we've kept that momentum going, and um, uh, we we've been baptizing people if not every week every couple of weeks, wow. and um, people are just responding to uh, to the changes yeah. in a very healthy way now. They can't wait to go back in the building. Yeah. They love being in the church, you know, especially now that it's getting cold and, oh, and we yeah. have elderly. And but we've been on a roller coaster uh, experience, uh, Brother Mario. We've we've had our ups and our downs, mm-hmm. but we've had so many success stories that it outweighs mm-hmm. all the interruptions that we've experienced. Yes, yes, in Jesus' name. And that's right, because I have family in California, there in Oceanside, and uh, and here in Arizona, I, I don't believe it's as strict. Uh, but I, from what I understand in California, they, they have you outside, right? Like you were mentioning, you guys are outside, you know. We are. <clears throat> we went back to the early 1930s with the tent revival. Yeah. We, purchased, <laughs> we purchased two huge tents. Wow. I mean, uh, it'll, it'll accommodate uh, a few hundred people at a time. Wow. And we put lights under it. We put fans under them. We, uh, we put uh, uh, fire extinguishers. We got it permitted. Mm. We went to the county. We made sure there was no reason why anybody was going to stop us. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we actually built our own outdoor stage. We got our sound system uh, tuned in. We, we did uh, live streaming our services like never before and with quality and excellence. Mm. I mean, we literally started an outdoor ministry where we started doing um, – you know, not just services, but just other outdoor events. Mm. And um, we recently hosted a uh, a camp, a wow. two three day camp, 
where normally we'd go off to some the mountain yeah. area. And we said, you know what? Why don't we host camp here this year? We had the highest turnout, the highest registration, the most amount of people we've had ever wow. at one of our camps. And, um, and so we, we've learned a lot mm-hmm. uh, with regards to what God can do under, you know, restrictive mm-hmm. circumstances. And uh, the, the church is truly unstoppable when, yeah. when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. And, and again, taking those risks has really uh, showed, showed us something. Yeah. Well, Pastor, kind of along the, the lines of ministry, um, what, what would you say your outlook is for the, you know, the rest of this year? We're in November already, but to finish off this year and Lord, Lord willing, if he tarries, you know, um, your ministry for 2021. So I mentioned a little bit about um, me doing missionary work mm. and uh, publishing books. <clears throat> what I what I envision is that uh, by the end of uh, this year, um, our goal is to, uh, of course, release another book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've already started writing the third book, um, or at least coming up with um, some little pieces of manuscripts that I'm yeah. putting together. But I have my, I have, I have what I believe God told me to write about. I do see myself writing uh, consistently. I, I believe that um, he showed me a method, a system that works for me, that isn't going to kill me. And it's not going to take me away from all my other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And so I do see myself writing um, consistently throughout 2021. Mm-hmm. With regards to the mission field, man, my heart's there. I, I love the, 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 the mission field. Um, we're building a, a rescue house right now in the country of Nepal. We're in the process of uh, putting a rescue home together for children that are being trafficked into places oh, wow. like India. And uh, we've got some uh, a team on the ground right now that are ready to put this together. So we're, we're actually uh, putting all the pieces in place now mm-hmm. so that by the end of the year, it's functioning. We'll have our first group of, of kids that are going to be uh, either rescued or they, wow. it's, prevented, it's preventing them from being trafficked. Um, and so we're going to continue to work on that vision for 2021. And if the Lord allows us to, uh, we'd love to open up more than just one house. Mm. Um, but also we, uh, we are working on, uh, we just finished building a church in Bangladesh. Now, when I say a church, it's a home church. It's made out of bamboo. It's made out of mud. It's made out of, um, um, natural resources. Mm. Um, it's made out of palm leaves. It's tin, very, very, uh, what we consider substandard, but it's, it's a church. Yeah. It's a house church. And it's for 50 Muslims that we just baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. We are, are getting ready to baptize 50 more Muslims uh, by the end of this year. And we're going to build our second house church. Um, what I envision is that by next year, uh, we hope to have 10 churches built in the country of Bangladesh, apostolic churches. Wow. And uh, that's the vision. That's our brothers that we that we have um, uh, designated to be our leaders there in Bangladesh are on board. Um, but we also believe that God's going to take us into some other countries to, uh, to spread the apostolic message. And, um, with regards to what's going to happen here at new life, um, I, I really do believe this. And I believe that, uh, it's been prophesied that we are going to be an evangelistic center of evangelism here. And, uh, globally. And so I, I, I would love to be a part of that. I believe that, that I will be a part of preparing and mentoring and leading and equipping um, men and women that want to step into that world. So uh, 
I, I have no limits on what God wants mm. to do. I don't, I don't, I will not put God in a box. Yeah. Um, I'm probably uh, thinking too small. I believe God is probably going to um, stretch our, our ability to dream and envision. And I, I look forward to that. Yes. In Jesus name. That, that's awesome. Pastor. That is, that is awesome. Um, Pastor, I, I like I like to ask this question. I, I know you mentioned just kind of in the in the course of our conversation, you know, some people, mentors, um, you know, people that were in your life, uh, but in in your faith journey. But if there was any one specific person in your faith journey that would kind of stick out, you know, who would you thank God for, and and why would that be? I mentioned Gilbert Apodaca. Yes, he was that he was that uh, student ministries pastor in Modesto, California, mm-hmm. who took a special interest in me. <clears throat> What I didn't mention earlier was that I ended up marrying his daughter, oh. <laughs> and um, I, did, I didn't I didn't intend to. I had no interest, and and, and she had no interest in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a double portion of a blessing. Where wow. uh, when you say you know who's that significant person that uh, you know impacted me? He, he impacted me in many ways. One was he he taught me how to pray. Mm-hmm. He taught me how to have a prayer life. He taught me how to read the word of God and mm-hmm. how to, how to, you know, discern uh, what was happening in my life during those very, very um, unpredictable years mm-hmm. as a new convert. He invited me to his home constantly and he was always checking up on me. And then, you know, to top it off for him to say that uh, he would, he would love uh, the idea that someday I would marry his daughter was just wow. absolutely breathtaking and, and amazing. And so uh, I, I have to, uh, I have to give a shout out. I got to tip my hat to to my father-in-law, um, former uh, student ministries pastor Gilbert Apodaca. How awesome, Pastor! How just God works. <laughs> you know, God just worked that circle in your life. That's awesome, uh, Pastor. Well, Pastor, speaking from your own experience as a Christian, you know, in, in the in in your own relationship with Christ. In other words, if you could encourage someone today that's listening, either mm-hmm. they should continue or start their own relationship with Christ, what would you say to them? Man, I would say if, you know, the song we used to sing when I got converted, if, if, if uh, you know, if you tried everything and everything has failed, try Jesus. I mean, give this a real, real try. Mm. I've heard people say, I've tried church, I've tried religion, I've tried faith, it didn't do anything for me. It's mm. for some people, not for everybody. Good for you, but it's not good for me. Yeah. This is good for everybody. This is for everybody. You, you and I are designed. We have been wired by God to communicate and be intimate with God. We will find no other uh, greater thrill in life than to be in communication with the Holy Spirit. I mean that with so much sincerity. I, I tried a lot of things. And, uh, and, and I can tell you that even as a Christian, I've been exposed to certain accomplishments and getting degrees and having good jobs and making good money and buying things will never, ever compare, compete mm. with the thrill of being in relationship with Jesus Christ. He will take you on the on the, on the the greatest journey of your life if you allow him to. Mm-hmm. And if you truly, truly give your 100% of your life to God and you just turn yourself over and don't give him 10% or 20%, mm. go all in. Just do it. Do it for 30 days. Do it for 60 days. Do it for 90 days. And you will see. When the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, man, he mm. is truly good. He will not fail you, not even one time. He is he's not a man that he should lie or the, yes. the son of man that he should repent. He will come through. He said, have I not said it and will I not do it? Mm. You are talking about a God 
who cannot fail, will not fail, who has no flaws in any part of his being. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your future now, today. He knows the end from the very beginning. Yes. So why would you not want to put your life in the hands of someone that holds that kind of uh, a discernment, that kind of power, that kind mm. of a care? So I want to encourage you, anybody who's listening, who's on the fence line, who's considering uh, trying what you might call religion, faith, mm -hmm. uh, spiritualism, man, call out to Jesus. Mm. I, have, I have talked to people in different parts of the world, and what I've often said is this. I've often said, tonight when you go to sleep, I want you to do one thing for me. If you don't believe me, you don't believe what this man is preaching, mm -hmm. I want you to just, by faith, call on the name of Jesus Christ, and ask him to show you if he's real. Just very simply say, Jesus Christ, are you real? And if you are, would you show up in my life? Because I truly believe that you don't need to have encounter encounters with men. Mm. You need to have an encounter with God. No. We will lead you to God. The church is here to lead you to Jesus Christ. And so for anybody who's even contemplating this idea, man, please, please reach out to someone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. All good words, Pastor. Thank you. Pastor, just to kind of uh, wrap up here, if you can share with us, how will we get in touch or how can we find or connect with your local ministry or your church, you know, like for your services? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So um, we've got a, a YouTube uh, channel, and it's called uh, New Life Apostolic Church. Okay. You'll, you'll find us here in Merced, California. It's, uh, once again, New Life Apostolic Church. And um, I've got a, a Facebook page that I created, and it's called Victor Serrato um, at Unshakable 209. That's Victor Serrato at Unshakable 209, where I'll um, be basically encouraging um, whatever I feel the Lord telling me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be posting some videos, some images, some words, some scriptures, some uh, some content and it's uh, going to be a bit mixed. I still have a passion for education. So mm. I have uh, some, some words to share to parents, uh, to students, uh, to young men and women that want to get into ministry. I, I, I have a, I have a, a bias for being positive. Mm. I, uh, I have found that there are too many, it's too easy to be negative. Yeah. And so I have work, I work really, really hard at staying positive because you'll never hear God talking negative about anything. You'll never hear God talking about how things are impossible. And mm. so we were creating in, created in his image. And so um, I need to start, I need to speak like him. Yeah. And that's what I try to do on that page. So I, I invite you to, uh, to uh, join that page, Victor Serrato at Unshakable 209. Awesome, Pastor. And, um, and where can we find your book, sir? Where, where is it on, on selling out now? Yeah, so if you go to Amazon, that's primarily where where we're uh, promoting the book. It is on uh, Kindle. It's also in Bar Barnes and Noble. Okay. But primarily, Amazon is where you can find uh, this book titled Unshakable. Uh, you can just type in Victor Serrato, and you'll find um, this book, Unshakable. I, I believe it'll be a blessing in your life. Man. Yeah, like I mentioned, I just started reading a little bit of the excerpts that they share there. And it, like I said, it was just, it was affecting me already. It was it was encouraging me at the same time convicting me that that Amen. God can do a lot in our lives for sure. That's right. Amen. Thank you for sharing that about that book. Yes, sir. 
Well, Pastor, it's been so uplifting to hear, you know, all the wonderful works and miracles that God has done in your life. And just know, sir, that, you know, from us here in Tucson, we're going to be praying for you and and for your church, your family, your ministry, you know, your missionary work, and that God will continue to inspire you and, and give you wisdom, you know, to write. Uh, because I believe such a time as this, you know, that, that we got to get this out. So, again, thank you. Thank you so much for participating today, Pastor. You're welcome, and we covet your prayers, and uh, thank you for this opportunity to speak to your listeners. Amen. Well, as we conclude our podcast for today, I would like to thank you, the listener, for listening in, and I pray that there has been a seed of faith planted in your heart and in your mind, that this seed will grow and produce fruit in your life. If you would like to hear previous podcasts or learn more about it, you can go to our podcast SoundCloud page at www.soundcloud.com forward slash I have podcast. And there you will find links to all our social media platforms. And also, if you are interested in supporting this podcast by giving, there will be links available there to direct it to our Patreon page where you can become a sponsoring member or to be a one-time giver, you can join our, uh, go to our PayPal page. If you would like to reach out to us, please email us at ihatpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Lord willing, God bless you and thank you.